You're listening to sermon audio from Grace Mosaic, a congregation of the Grace DC Network in Northeast DC. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org. So I was in college from 2019 to 2013. I went to UVA. And, you know, so being at UVA, the, the student population was like 9% African-American. So, like, the black community was really tight-knit. Like, everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew each other's business. But the cool thing was, because of that, word spread fast. And there was always certain things that all the black people at UVA got together for, right? And the two big ones were probates and fashion shows. All right, probates, if you don't know what probates are, it's basically the Greek organizations. Uh, in secret, they're kind of pledging, and then they have a kind of ceremony to reveal who is the new, they call it line, uh, for a Greek organization. And so all the black people, you know, word was spread and we get together. And then fashion shows, there's always, you know, people really stylish and fashionable. And, you know, they would get together and they have like fashion troops and stuff. And then, you know, everybody will, will go to the fashion show. Everybody put on their best stuff and show up and everybody's looking fresh and clean. Got the cologne on, the perfume on. And then we know our friends are in the fashion show. And so we're there to cheer them on. Like, oh, I see you. Like, hey, you know, and we're, and we're getting excited. It's like, I see you, girl. Like, you killing it, you know. And we're getting excited. And the people up there who are models, they are flaunting the gear. It might be different seasons. It might be winter gear, you know, summer wear, uh, business casual. It might be, you know, African uh, garbs. It might be all these different kind of things. And the models, as they're up there, they are showing off the fashion and the style and the, and the audience is cheering them on and it's a community experience. Family, what if I told you that the Christian life is like one big fashion show? That we are on God's runway and we are sporting his clothes. He's got summer, winter, fall, and spring clothes. And they all look the same. God wants us to display love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things are the things that are trendy to him. And we are to walk on the runway of life. And we are supposed to have fun as we flaunt God's fashion. We go, oh, I see you. I see you with the peace. I see you with the love, right? I see you with the forgiveness, right? And we're supposed to have fun. It's supposed to be a community experience. So my main point, if you don't get anything from my message today, get this. You're a model for Jesus, so get your makeover. You're a model for Jesus, so get your makeover. So one of the beautiful things is uh, y- y'all have heard of the image of God. Um, uh, uh, just even in popular conversation, we popularly talk about it as it gives dignity and honor to humanity and that humans are worthy of dignity and honor. Yes, that's true. Um, but here's the thing. The image of God is almost like I think of it like vines or like a octopus tentacles throughout the Bible. It's everywhere, even though it's not named. Does that make sense? It's kind of got its tentacles wrapped around everything. Even in this passage, you probably missed it in verse 24 in chapter five, verse one. He's talking about the image of God. Being made in the image of God means we have dignity, but we also have a purpose. We have a function to fulfill. And, And oftentimes in the Bible, when it talks about the image of God, it uses clothing imagery. That's why in the Bible says put on Christ. We, we just read put off your old self and put on the new self that is made after the likeness of God. Right. This is image of God. So we have to display God's image, meaning we have to display his glory and who he is and his beauty and his presence to the world. Um, but so often instead we want to model other clothes. Right. 
So we, we've talked about in the first few verses of Ephesians how Jesus has saved us and how he's renewed us and how he's cleansed us, how we have an identity transformation. Part of what Jesus does when he saves us is he gives us a new wardrobe. That's right. You see, we were wearing raggedy, unstylish, untrendy spiritual clothes all of our lives. And when he saves us, Jesus says, by my blood, I have purchased you a new set of spiritual clothes. But don't so often we want to wear the old raggedy stuff, even though we got the new fashionable stuff spiritually. That we just gotten so used to wearing the old raggedy stuff that it just feels comfortable, even though we got way better, more comfy, more fashionable clothes spiritually. And so I want to very quickly look at a couple things. I want to look at um, a fashion sense and I want to look at a makeover. Is that all right? I want to look at a fashion sense and I'm looking at a makeover. So somebody say fashion sense. So throughout this passage, I think what Paul is doing is he's using this put off and put on language. He's using clothing imagery. Uh, In verse 17, he says, now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles or it's another way of saying the nations do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So basically in Ephesus, uh, Ephesus was a very different city than we know today. It was very, um, they're actually very religious. They uh, had all different type of gods and they had magic and they had amulets. They had spells. Um, they had magic books, like literally like if you feel like you in Hogwarts or something. And like their world was extremely spiritual. Um, but in that, uh, even though it was very religious, there were all these different types of practices that flowed from these different religions. And so as Paul is addressing them, he's he's addressing people who were literally in dark arts and dark magic and all these idol wars. And now they, they they were a part of the nations and now they've been converted and they are a part of God's people. They're part of and essentially they're part of the nation of Israel now. They're part of God's people. And so he's telling them what the current spiritual fashion trends are out there in the former way they used to live. He says greediness was a fashion trend. Sensuality was a fashion trend. Uh, they, they, they practice all different types of, of passions and desires. And this can look like anything. Greed for money, greed for stealing, greed for popularity, greed for success, greed for sex, greed for drugs. All their passions and their, and their lifestyles and their fashion trends were governed by everything that they wanted, everything that they desired apart from God. And he wants them to remember that these things are models for sin. These are ways that spiritually we are not supposed to dress and we are not supposed to flaunt and show and show off. So he kind of shows them the old clothes. He kind of shows them the current fashion trends of Ephesus. And then he says in verse 20, but that is not the way you learn Christ. And then in verse 21, he's being a little sarcastic. Paul is sometimes a little sarcastic, assuming that you have heard about him. Right. (laughs) He's like, I know you heard about him because I told you about him. And we're taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self. You see the clothing imagery, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So Paul tells them, look around and look at the spiritual fashion trends. He's like, that's not you because you belong to Jesus. You are holy. The church is holy. We used to flaunt all the corrupt and empty desires that were promising everything but delivered nothing. Sin always overpromises and underdelivers. Sin always overpromises and underdelivers. 
And Paul wants them to to remember the things that were destroying them. Paul is saying at one point you thought those things were giving you life and that those things were beautiful, but they're actually destroying you and they are ugly. And so he, he urges them to put on the new clothes. In verse 23, it says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So here's the thing. He tells them formerly their minds were darkened. Their understanding was darkened. Their hearts were hard. He tells them because you belong to Jesus, you now have been enlightened spiritually. You now have a new heart. And because of that, you desire new things. You desire to wear new spiritual clothes. He wants them to look like God in the way that they live their lives. He wants them to practice righteousness and holiness because through doing this, they will glorify God and they will bring God's beauty and presence to a, like a dark, dark city. So um, it's actually funny. So, you, so, so y'all know Howard had homecoming uh, this past weekend. Um, and it's funny just going through Instagram and just seeing some of the pictures of past homecomings. And it's not even that long ago. Like, you know, do y'all remember 2000 swag, like 2000 style, like the baggy, you know, throwback jerseys and like the uh, headbands and, you know, uh, FUBU and Rockaware and Sean John and all that. It's just funny <laughs> how we dress now. You look back, you'd be like, what? Like we wore that? <laughs> right. Deliverance. Like, why do we wear that? Uh, that's kind of what Paul wants you to do. When you look back on your former way of life, it's almost like you on your spiritual Instagram and you're like, what? I used to dress like that. Like, man, like I look outdated, like my growth game is strong. Right. God has brought me to a new place with spiritual fashion. Right. That's what we should uh, be thinking when we think about our former way of lives. And so this is the thing I I think was beautiful here is that Paul uh, doesn't just tell us, you know, act different, be different. He points to something deep down inside of us. He points to our hearts. He says the way that um, the reason why we behave in these ways and live these ways and think these ways and feel these ways is because of a deep spiritual issue. Now, in Ephesus and really in most of the, I would guess most of the world, um, they like the spiritual is very like tangible. You can almost taste it on the air. So when it says heaven, we, we, we say look up to heaven. And yeah, that's kind of like um, uh, I'm trying not to use a big word like kind of like an easy way of experiential way of talking about it. But really heaven is not up. It's like like this. It's overlapped. Like if you've seen movies like oh the shows like Stranger Things, the upside down or like you know the the alternate dimensions it's kind of like that. And so Paul is basically saying there's a there's a there's good things and bad things in the world and there's good things and bad things in the heavenly realms. And behind all of the things that we do in this earthly realms they are dark spiritual realities behind that. Are y'all with me? Or is that kind of weird? The Bible is weird to us because we're Western Americans. But here's the thing. Like the dark spiritual forces have clouded our understanding. They have corrupted our hearts. And it sounds funny, but the Bible invites us to enter into this world. And what Jesus does is he frees us from the dark spiritual bondage. And he gives us a new heart and gives us a Holy Spirit, not an evil spirit or the spirit of the Antichrist. And now we're allowed to live these things out. And so we now have the power to desire new things and to live out of a place of transformation. 
Um, so here's the thing. Uh, do you, y'all remember America's Next Top Model with Tyra Banks? Y'all remember that show? My family used to watch that show tough. They had like 20 seasons. Like they'd be on all the time. Do you want to? Like I can hear the, the, the theme song in my mind now. Uh, but it's funny because, you know, Tyra Banks had her crew and she would invite models and she was training them up to be the next top model. So, you, you know, you even have people who are popular like Takara, Yaya and Eva are popular models. I mean, every once in a while, Tyra would snap on the models. Like there was one popular episode when she was like, we were ruining on you. We expected you to win. And like everyone's crying and stuff. And it's probably a meme if you like Google. Uh, you know, there's probably memes from an next top model from that episode. But here's the thing. If you are in Christ, you are in God's next top model. He is coaching you and training you. He is rooting for you because his glory is at stake in the ways that we model him in our everyday lives. In our classrooms, in our dorms, uh, in our dating relationships, in your marriages, in our city, in our clubs, in our relationships, in in all these things. These are places where God wants to show off his glory by us being like him. And this thing, why should we do this? Because this is your purpose. God has created you for this. So very quickly, I'm getting off script. I need to keep going, but this is fun. Like, so basically, when, and, and, so when God created the world, he created it as a cosmic palace, like a cosmic temple. The first three days he created his rooms. The second set of three days, he filled his rooms with furniture. And then on, on the last day, if you know anything about a co- like an ancient Near Eastern temple, there's an image in the temple. So God said, my cosmic palace is complete, but I need an image. And so he created us as his image to visibly be a representation of him to people. When people come to God in the ancient Near Eastern culture, they would the gods, they would see an image. The image was supposed to represent the invisible reality. We are supposed to represent the invisible reality of God to the world. As people are looking for God and they want to see his image, God says, Look at my people who I've created. We're supposed to do this because we were created to do this. If you are human, this is what you were made for. All right. So then Paul gets into the practical reality. Somebody say the makeover. So um, all throughout the, the, the second half of this passage, he talks about the things that they should put away and the things that they should put on. So everything he says is almost like a put off, put on, put off, put on. Verse 25. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Paul tells them, put off lying and put on the truth. Why? Because if we're going to be a community, we can't lie to each other. We have to be on the same page as far as what truth is and what truth isn't. And then he says, put off sinful anger and put on righteous anger. Be in verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. So here's the thing. He commands them to be angry. There are certain things as Christians, because we have the Holy Spirit, that should upset us. When we see sin and we see injustice in the world and we see the brokenness of the world, we should get upset. We shouldn't like being a Christian should be a constant. It's kind of annoying. But being a Christian brings a constant state of kind of like irritation, almost frustration, because you're like, look at what the world should be and how God created it. But look at what it is. Look at how I should be and how God created me. But look at who I am. Right. And this drives us to Jesus. But here's the thing. He commands us to put off sinful anger and to put on righteous anger. Look at verse 28. He commands us to put off theft and to put on generosity. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. He basically says, stop stealing. 
And, and I think maybe an extension would also would be stop mooching, right? Uh, he tells them, get a job or, or put your hands to do something. You know, that, that Christians, you know, it's funny or it's beautiful because in, in the nation of Islam, I've been reading a lot on them. And one of the things is like they all value, like, well, one of the things they notice about them is like all the dudes got jobs because in, in, in their community, like it, it's a frown upon thing to, to not work. It's like, hey, you, you, you need to work. You need to be doing something. And the same thing in the Christian community that Paul says, let you work with your hands, labor, do something so that you can share with others who are in need. So it's not like I'm going to get mine and be a boss. It's I'm going to get mine and then give it away and be generous. Uh, He says, put off drama and put on forgiveness. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Put off gossip and put on encouragement. Look, Look in verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. He says, put off gossip and put on encouragement because in doing so, we are building up the community. When we gossip, we're just tearing down the community. Um, He says, put off drama and put on forgiveness. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of uh, God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. So basically, grieving the Holy Spirit harkens back to the Old Testament when the people will quarrel with God or basically they would fight with God or i.e. they would have drama with God. They would grieve the Holy Spirit. So Paul is like, stop having drama with God. And then he's like, stop having drama with each other. He's like he has a list like anger, slander, malice. And he's like, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. We can show kindness and forgiveness to one another. Because God has shown kindness and forgiveness to us. It's easy to forgive when you've been forgiven. It's easy to show kindness when you realize that you have been shown kindness yourself. Um, So I know like a lot of this can sound like rule following. And guess what? It is rule following. (laughs) But here's the thing. When you have a relationship with somebody, aren't there rules? Like there's certain unspoken rules in in a friendship, right? Don't talk bad about me. You know, if I get into a fight, like, don't stand and watch, like, help me out, defend me. Right. Friends don't let friends fight alone. Uh, You know, in a marriage, you know, let's have a united front. Let's not, you know, joke about each other to each other's expense in front of other people. You know, let's not cheat on each other. Right. Let's try and be nice to each other. You know what I mean? So there's in any relationship, there are rules to enjoying that relationship. Y'all with me? Paul is kind of showing them. Here are the rules to enjoy your relationship with God. It's hard to enjoy your relationship with God if you are not modeling for him. You will not enjoy God if you are not modeling for him. Yes, there's forgiveness. Yes, God loves you no matter what, et cetera, et cetera. But God doesn't only want you to be forgiven. He wants you to be holy. He forgives your sins. But then he says, now turn away from them and practice righteousness so that you can enjoy a relationship with him. Um, so, you know, I remember when I first got married, uh, I remember an old, older, I love older pastors cause they always got the great, you know, I love the way he says, sir, a lot of marriages, you know, they, they, uh, he says something like they're like forward focuses, you know, they just get you from point A to point B. You're in your marriage and it just gets you to point A to point B. He's like, sir, I want your marriage to be like a Lamborghini. He said, all the pieces got to fit together and work right for that car to sit smooth. And when you're riding, when all the pieces are together, you know, you really enjoy that ride. 
And so he's basically saying, but you got to work at it. You have to put in the sweat, blood sometimes, right, <laughs> and tears to have your marriage go, go from a Ford Focus to a Lamborghini. It's the same way in your relationship with God. You know, some of us, our relationship with God gets us from point A to point B. We just scooting by. But God wants you to put in the blood and sweat and tears to become his next top model, to put in the work. Uh, man, uh, in spirit of homecoming this past week, one of the HBCU anthems, and it's kind of funny because this song is old. It came out when I was in high school, maybe. It's Swag Surf. Have you ever heard that song, Swag Surf? Uh, it's like, um, man, I got that swag. Hat match in my bag. You know I popped them tags. Man, I got that swag. Have y'all heard it? I swag. I serve. I swag. Y'all seen it? Okay, I got someone. Jeremiah's uh, seen it. But here's the thing. That's one of the most popular songs on HBCU campuses. But here's the thing, like... God wants us to spiritually swag surf. He wants us to pop tags. He wants us to have that swag. He wants our spiritual hat to be matching our spiritual bag, right? Um, he wants us to take off the fake fronts of falsehood and put on the Paul Wall diamond fronts of truth. We have to take off the knockoff shades of anger and put on the Cartier glasses of peace. We have to take up the torn up gloves of greediness and put on the gator skin gloves of generosity and hard work. We have to take off the Sean John of gossip and put on the Busini shoes of building others up. We got to take off the denim of drama and put on the khakis of kindness and Fendi belt of forgiveness. This is what God is pushing us towards. And the goal of our Christian lives should be to level up our swag. So the practical thing is every week, every day, we should want to put on something new and fresher for God. We should want to polish the shoes. We should want to put on new clothes for God. We, want, we should want to model for him and glorify him. So a little bit of homework. Uh, maybe try this out. I don't know. Pr- something practical. Every week, find, something, find some spiritual uh, article of clothing to work on. Like this week, you know what? My, 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 my forgiveness is not looking really good. Like, Lord, I want to focus on forgiveness this week. You know, take it one, one piece at a time. Lord, man, I've been sinfully angry. Lord, help me out with that. Lord, I've been greedy for popularity. I've been greedy to be seen by people. Help me with that. I'm, I'm going to dig deep into that. I'm going to dig deep in my soul for that. Lastly, uh, the thing is, um, this text grounds everything in the image of God. Look again at chapter five, verse one. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So here's the thing. Clothing imagery is used for the image of God. But guess what else? Child imagery. In, in, like, our children are in our image. They look like us, right? Like, when, when a baby is born, it's like, ain't no question about it, that's your baby, right? Because they bear your image. So when the Bible talks about image bearing, it also means that we are children. He says, as beloved children. The thing is, y'all, we failed at this over and over again. That if we're honest with ourselves, our lives are often not representations of God and who he is, that they're representations of other things representations of everything that is opposite of him. Sometimes it feels like some weeks, right? Here's the thing. Jesus himself, your big brother, he was also a child. He was the perfect model for God. He lived a life always glorifying God, always representing God, always displaying God's beauty and truth and goodness. And he did this so that he can die for us. That he who represented God perfectly can die for people who oftentimes misrepresent God in so many ways. 
on the cross, he bore the wrath that we deserved for failing God as models. And he made us beloved children. Beloved means you are greatly loved. And so God is not, you know, on top of us as like like Russ said earlier, as a mean and cruel uh, master who wants us to to represent him because he's selfish. No, you are his beloved child. And I remember growing up when my dad would have cowboy boots, I would want cowboy boots when he well, my dad's from Texas. My dad would wear cowboy hats. I would want a cowboy hat when he would wear his shirt tucked in. I would want to tuck in my shirt because I was a beloved child. I wanted to look like my daddy. And that's the thing among the community of God, because of our new status, because of Jesus, because of our beloved status, we should want to look like our daddy. We should want to show him off because we love him and we know we are loved by him. So, y'all, God has given us a new fashion sense. He's given us a makeover. You're our model for Jesus. Will you model for him? Amen. Mosaic. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org.